Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Uncommon Drive Podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozy. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. And welcome back to another episode of the Uncommon Drive Podcast. Uh, I am here with Jeff Cross. My name is Chad Ozy, and you can reach out to us as always at UncommonDrivePodcast at gmail.com. How are we doing today, Jeff? I'm good. I'm good. I uh, want to flash back, rewind a little bit to my, my wife. She tends to fall behind on the podcast. She just caught up to the TDTD. Uh, TD. <laughs> <laughs> she said she laughed pretty hard. You know, she laughed pretty hard. She thought it was pretty cool how you went right into the, and you can get your you know, Uncommon Drive podcast apparel at. So, yeah, she finally caught up then. She's like, what is wrong with you, Jeff? So that's, uh, you know, that's typical Jeff Cross getting in trouble even when he doesn't want to. That's pretty <laughs> awesome stuff. We, uh, if you didn't catch that part of the uh, podcast, go back a few episodes when uh, we were talking about the uh, Colt League World yeah. Series. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the episode where we were uh, talking about that and having a lot of fun together. And if you uh, if you are a brand new listener, uh, if you're just catching on here in season two, episode two mm-hmm. of the Uncommon Drive podcast, one of the things that I think you'll pick up on pretty quickly is that uh, we have a little bit of fun together. Mm. And uh, I think that's uh, that's important. Uh, somebody asked the question. I was at a, a meeting for a different sport last night, Jeff. Okay. I was at a meeting for football. We don't talk a ton about football on this podcast. We really talk uh, baseball and basketball mostly. But uh, within that, the, the question that was asked by somebody from the, the state governing body, um, he, he asked the officials, why do you do this? Oh, right. You know, why do you do this? And one of the things about football that's a little different than some other sports is, you know, if you and I go work a basketball game, um, and even if we work the same conference, we may only work two, three games together all season. Sure. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, baseball, same thing. 
You know, you, you don't always work the same. Baseball is a little bit different that if you're if you're working a weekend series, you get to work, you know, three three or four games in a row with the same crew. Yeah. But most of the time, we show up every day and we're working with somebody new every single time we work. Whereas a football crew, both at the college level and at the high school level, they work as a crew all season long, even into the playoffs. And so it was really interesting that one of the the statements that they made was, you know what, I I just really love getting to be with these people. You know, getting to hang out with people that have a similar interest that I do, that mm-hmm. are working towards a common goal mm-hmm. together, you know, because maybe those Easy crews... with the goal word, that's okay. Right, that's <laughs> right. You know, but th- these guys that are wanting to to make the playoffs or, mm-hmm. you know, get deeper, you know, get a state finals sure. or whatever that might be, you know, they, they have this thing in common that they're pushing towards. Whether it's just the thing in common is uh, they want to go work a game and then go enjoy a beverage afterwards, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. or they want to go work that high school state finals or, or go work that college conference playoff game or whatever that might be. And, and I was reminded that I think for a lot of us, just even listening to a podcast like this, uh, we've kind of become part of that community, you know, where this is something that we have in common, the mm-hmm. desire to be uncommon mm-hmm. yeah, uh, and the desire to do things just a little bit differently, maybe than has been modeled for us in the past or, maybe even helping model something for someone else now that's a little bit more uncommon than what it was. And and I found that interesting. And so one of the places I'd like to start, Jeff, if it's okay, actually, yeah, go I, ahead. I know you're going to start here, but yeah. I have a question, and it just popped in my head when you brought that up. Because you work football, and I work football also. Sure. So I'm wondering, what do you think we would be like if we only had to work one basketball game a night a week? With the same people. Or even if it's, let's just say it's not the same people. Mm -hmm. But you only had to work one on that Saturday afternoon or the Sunday. And that's all you worked. I wonder if we would be better or worse. Mm. Because I remember in in football, I would work, you know, every Friday night. So it's basically only nine games. You know, if you did a couple playoff games or maybe you squeezed in a Saturday. But with that crew, you would work nine, nine Friday nights. And it was with the same people, and I, and I remember feeling this way, and, and I want you to, to chime in here. I felt like we got very, very stagnant. Mm. Even though we were still moving in the in the playoff realm of things, we were very stagnant. Our, our car rides to the game were the same. Mm-hmm. Our car rides home were the same. Our games went smooth for the most part. But I'm not for sure that we improved. With working with the same, you know, five guys or girls, whatever. So I'm wondering what it would be like when you referee basketball or even baseball, where you work, you know, you're working a Tuesday, then you're working a Friday, Saturday, Sunday with a different crew, and you know, how does that how does that help us or hurt us if, if we're talking to football guys right now, football people, you know, do we really believe we're getting the best out of our crew, the five people on the crew by working nine Fridays and then maybe one or two extra Fridays or Saturdays for playoffs. And, and are you really developing? Do you, do you see a big difference in your crew from week one to week nine? Yeah. 
I I find it interesting in that I, I think football is a unique beast because there are so many different things taking place all across the field. I think working with the same crew in football is the right call. Yeah, I really do. Um, now, the thing that you, the first question that you asked in the midst of all that was, hmm. how do you think we would be? Like, would yeah. we be better? Would we be worse sure. if we did the same thing in basketball, you know, or baseball? Well, I can tell you this: if I only had to work one game a week physically, I'd probably be better. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd be fresher every game. I would be all that. But I think mentally, I would be worse. Because one of the things that's so great, um, you know, basketball, for instance, the game is so fast. Mm -hmm. There's so much. You are making so many decisions over and over and over and over. And you and I were just talking about a couple events that we've got coming up preseason where we're going to help people get some reps in, Mm -hmm. right, to to get the season started off well. Well, a big part of that, I mean, yeah, I want to get my legs underneath me. Yeah, I want to make sure I can get up and down the court and everything's functioning. And yeah, all that I need air stuff, in my you know? lungs, right. That's yeah. right, you mm-hmm. know. But the bigger thing is I, I got to get my brain back up to speed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because the, de- the decision making is so fast. And, um, you know, I love working baseball. I absolutely love working baseball. But in in the game of baseball, there may only be two or three times over the course of a game where I have to make multiple decisions at once. Mm-hmm. So I had a I had a game just the other night. I'm working first base. I had to make a fair foul. And whether or not there was obstruction and a safe out call, all within about 1.2 seconds. <laughs> okay. That's a lot. That's a lot to process. Uh, another time that we would see that kind of thing happening is there's a steal at home. We got to decide on the bunt. Did he go or not? Was the pitch a strike or a ball? Was there interference by the batter on the catcher? Was there interference by the catcher on the batter? Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, is he safer out at the plate? Right. Okay. <laughs> so there's like four or five things happening all at once, but that happens very rarely yeah. within the game of baseball. That happens just maybe two or three times a game and probably not for every person on the crew. Whereas in the game of basketball, that's just the first minute of the first period. <laughs> yep. We have that happen all the time. Yeah. You've got, were they inbounds? Were they out of bounds? Mm. Did they travel? Did they not? Mm. Was it a three-point? Was it a two-point? Was mm. that a foul or was it incidental contact? Did they have legal guarding position? Did they not? I mean, all that stuff is happening. Do I have a shot clock violation? Do I not? I mean, and it happens all the time. So I believe that in that game, the the what it takes for me mentally is that I have to be up to speed. Okay. Baseball, I think, is just as difficult mentally. I think it's different, though. For there, it's about me staying focused. In baseball. In baseball, yeah. Because in baseball... Since it's not just speed, 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 it's really easy to let your mind wander. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to not be focused on that one thing that you need to be focused on. Football is is kind of a, a mix of both. 
right? I mean, mm-hmm. in, in the course of one play, there's a ton of stuff happening, but then you don't have anything happening for the next 35 seconds. Right. You know, and you're just standing around or counting offense, defense, whatever. Um, so I, I think I would be, I think I would be better physically if I was working one game a week. Sure. I don't think I would be sharp mentally if I was working one game a week. So to, to follow up here, to ask another question would be for me is, this is just my wanting to know your opinion. Do you think being a basketball referee makes you a better baseball umpire and football referee? I absolutely believe that's the case. But I also believe that being a baseball umpire makes me a better basketball referee and football official. And I believe that being a football official Mm. makes me a better basketball referee and baseball umpire. Yeah, I think they all have their, you know, their advantages to the next sport. There's Mm -hmm. no doubt about that. You know, if we if we just put that in relation to baseball, that that timing aspect. Mm hmm really helps you in your decision-making process in basketball. Absolutely. You know, because it all happens so fast. But if you're so used to slowing that down in baseball before you, you know, I always, and if anybody's ever had me as a clinician, I always say, well, you know, we make our decision and then we announce our decision. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we do in baseball. We sure. make the decision that they're out, but we don't announce that decision. Then we, we tend to carry that into basketball. Um, same with football too, right? You know, football mm-hmm. helps us let plays finish, <laughs> you know, Ooh, that's a hold. Well, wait a second. They got away. It's not. You know, they. You know, it was an instant. It wasn't a shirt grab. Um, so, I guess the moral of the questions are: if you want to be good at any sport, you need to do more than one sport. Yeah, and and I don't know that you have to work those other sports at the same level. Sure, I agree. You know, or or even long term. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there's some things that it can bring to it. And and to come back to your question there of. You said that you felt like your your football crew got stagnant because mm-hmm. you're working with the same guys. It's the same pattern. It's mm-hmm. the same whatever, right? Um, I think there is a a huge potential for that to happen. Mm. I think what what we talk about here on our podcast is this idea of being uncommon. Mm-hmm. It's the uncommon crews that want to get better. All season long. Mm-hmm. It's the uncommon crew that comes off a state championship run and says, we're going to get better this year, rather than saying, we're at the top of the heap. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. <laughs> right? And and I think the same thing can happen in basketball, where somebody says, well, yeah, I'm working with a new crew, but I know my stuff. I know my deal. I don't, I don't need to get better. I don't mm-hmm. need to take the quiz i don't need to watch the videos i don't need to pre-game well because hey we all know what we're supposed to do let's just go do it Mm -hmm. you know as part of that that meeting last night Mm -hmm. and i think this this is a great place for us to go here they were talking about kind of some of the the key concerns that coaches had and one of the things they talked about was you know there are certain safety fouls that were not being called or at least coaches didn't feel like they were being called right and i don't care what sport we've got that's something that that's pretty standard right Mm -hmm. you know whenever a coach feels like we are not putting their players' safety in a place of priority Mm -hmm. that bothers them Mm -hmm. right you know because they don't want to lose those players Mm -hmm. they they need those players right but the other thing that was brought up was communication. 
Right. Surprise. And, yeah, surprise. I know. And we, how many times have we talked about communication on this podcast? Jeff and I were saying we probably could talk about communication every other episode mm-hmm. and people probably wouldn't be too upset about it. Because yeah. number one, there's that much to learn about communication. Yeah. And number two, that's just how much it affects us as officials. It's also how much it affects us as family members. It's how mm. much it affects us as employees or employers or just as friends. Yeah. I mean, communication is key to everything we do. Yeah. And you know, the thing that was said was that they felt like maybe in this one video example they gave that the reason the official did not communicate well with the coach is because they were a newer official, right? And we've talked on the ep- on the podcast before about things that give us confidence in communication. If we don't know the rules well, it doesn't give us confidence in communication because mm-hmm. we don't know how to use rulebook language to communicate, right? Uh, if we don't have familiarity, that can hurt our communication. You know, you could you could have worked one conference for the last 10 years and you feel like you can communicate with every coach about anything. And all of a sudden you go work a game in a new conference and it's like you're a <laughs> calf looking at a new gate. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, what in yeah. the world? Right. This is a whole new thing to me. Um, and, and the thing that I found really interesting to me as we have people listening to this podcast that want to be uncommon. How do we how do we help? others communicate that to me that is a really tough question right because it's not about how do i communicate Mm -hmm. but when i'm out there with a group of people we are a crew right so i can't say well i'm a good communicator they're a bad communicator Mm, no if they're a bad communicator and i'm a good communicator and the third person's an in-between communicator then our crew is in between at best yeah right you know, You're only as good as your weakest link. I, I want my crew to be good. And, and you've done this for a long time, Jeff. You are considered by a lot of people to that communication is one of the strengths of your game and, and all that. How, as a crew chief, or, or even just as a, as a crew member, right, how do you help encourage communication on your crew, both to coaches and players and, and also among the crew itself? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's all I got. I don't know. <laughs> and that was episode two. Yeah, that's two right. of the uncommon no, It's no. over. Um, yeah, it. It's a balancing act. It's a balancing act of, um, because I believe the reason there's a couple reasons why I feel like that I I tend to excel in communication is one. I have, I've had a lot of failures in my communications Mm -hmm. and I learned from them. I didn't just assume that I'm right. I'm like, Ooh, that's, that's, that didn't work out well. And I learned from that. So I, you know, didn't use it again. And then, you know, I, I feel like I, I don't know if I want to use the word study, but I, I practice it a lot and I study different ways and, and I, and I listen to people how they're, I, I listen and watch people get, good reactions and i'm thinking how, what was said how what was their body language what were those things that they did so that's that's those are two things two major components now the issue is when we let you know whatever this we'll call it a um, inexperienced communicator fail it can be devastating to them mm-hmm. it can be devastating to where they're not going to do officiating anymore or whatever that is right so if we're you know in in the business office and they have a bad communication experience with a superior or even a peer 
and it goes badly, they don't, they'll not come back to work mm-hmm. or they're not enjoying coming back to work. So that's where the, the, uh, the, the, the biggest problem for, for me is that we have to, we have to really be able to read our room and understand that is this person, this, um, this younger communicator, are they willing to put themselves out there? Are you, are you going to be okay? You got to find out, are you going to be okay when coach a yells at you mm-hmm. and you not know the answer and it's okay if you don't know the answer, you know, and it's okay if you don't know the right line, it's okay if you don't have the right response and it's okay if you don't have the right body language. My question is, are you going to be okay with that failure? Mm-hmm. Are you going to be okay with just learning? Listen, I didn't do very well. Now let's now let's tear this apart and you know deconstruct it for per se and say, okay, these are where we could have changed things. And um, if that younger communicator is not going to be able to do those things, that's not something they're looking to do. It doesn't make a difference how well they know the rules or how you know what their judgment's like and how physically fit they are, that's going to put them at the, at the, at the end of it. So it's, it's hard. And sometimes it takes blunt questions like asking, are you going to be okay if this coach yells at you? Are you, are you going to be okay? And if they're not, then okay, then let's put you in a position where we don't have to worry about a coach yelling at you right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can, we can work on those things. It, I, I find it interesting, Jeff, what you said there. So, you know, there are so many tools at our disposal right now to help us get better in some of those other areas. Okay. You talked about our fitness. Mm. I mean, you can go to almost any gym anywhere right now. And not only do you have phenomenal equipment to help you get better, but there's probably a personal trainer available to you. They probably have got all sorts of, you know, gadgets and gizmos that are going to check and see what your, you know, your fat body fat is Mm. and your, you know, what's the right diet for you mm-hmm. to be on, all this kind of so you know, we have things that'll help us with our physical fitness and conditioning. We have great tools that are out there right now that help us learn the rules. In fact, we just found out uh just this week that there's gonna be an audiobook available mm-hmm. for the uh college women's rule book this year. Jeff yeah. actually got to help narrate a little bit of that. And how awesome for, you know, some of us as we're riding down the road, you can't pull out the book and read as you go. But, hey, you know, what? I'm going to listen to one section of the rule book. Mm-hmm. And, and some of us learn better as aural learners, you know, A-U-R-A-L, you know. Um, All these big words. That's Jay. right. You know, it means <laughs> we, we, we learn better when we hear okay, rather than yeah. when we read. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. There are other people that learn better when they read rather than when they hear. So now. For that other group of learners that are better hearing something, mm-hmm. hey, there's going to be another tool in our toolbox to be able to learn the rules. We we have great things that are at our disposal now when it comes to seeing plays. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can go to some of these online libraries now, and you may have never seen uh, LDB play in your career. But you can go watch 40 of them in a row mm-hmm. on video and say, okay, well, now now I have a better idea for when I see it, mm-hmm. okay? So we have all of these great tools to help us learn in those ways, except communication. Mm-hmm. Now, we hear, you know, there'll, there'll be a PowerPoint in somebody's thing this year that oh, says yeah. this is how you need to communicate, mm-hmm. right? But that's different than what you were just talking about, which is where... Sometimes the reason that 
I'm better at calling travels now because I called some really bad travels in the past and I didn't call things that were travels. Hmm. Right. And I looked at it and I didn't like the feeling of calling it incorrectly. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I'm a lot better at calling travels now. We don't often approach communication the same way. Communication, we are far more likely to blame. What? Well, that coach is just a hothead. Mm-hmm. Not, man, I didn't do a good job of communicating with them early in the game so that we'd be in a good spot in the fourth period. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, so when when we are, are looking at that, part of what makes this uncommon is taking the risk of communicating something. Yeah. And you know what? And if it's wrong... <laughs> Guess what? In the same way that I called a travel that wasn't a travel, mm -hmm. I communicated a way that just didn't work. Yeah. And it's not the end of the world. I can recover from that mm -hmm. the same way that I can recover for calling a travel that wasn't a travel. Yeah. And I'll have to say this. If we're going to do this, if we're going to allow ourselves to make mistakes in communication, which I think is 100% needed and pretty effective... It will only work if we take pride in our communication. Because mm. I can have a failure, and I can, if I don't care less, if I can care less about my communication, and I have this bad communication experience, and I'm not taking pride in, in getting better at it, it's still going to be the same. Sure, it's still going to be the same. And the best thing I can, the best way I can explain it is, if if you're not, let's just say you could. Take it or leave it as far as communication goes. Whatever. That one time you have a good experience in a communication and it goes well, that is like the biggest dopamine hit you can get. <laughs> and you're like, wow, I feel warm and fuzzy all over. And I want more of that. Sure. And when you decide you want more of that, you're going to work at being better. No different than, oh, I, you know, I did my personal best and I bench pressed 250 pounds. I want more of that. Mm -hmm. And that's what, that's what happens. So the, that's, the, that's the, the only way it's going to work is if we take pride in those responses. We also understand that we're going to have some losses and when we handle those losses and learn from those losses because we take pride in our our ex acceleration of communication, that we can do that. And then when we do that, we're going to be, I know you don't, you know, we're going to be uncommon. Yeah. And if not better. Yeah. And, you know, when you look at uh, lists of people's fears, mm. okay, and, and you brought this up earlier in a conversation we had you know, it used to be, and it may still be, for all I know, that public speaking mm -hmm. is at or near the top of almost every major list of people's fears. Sure. Right? This mm -hmm. idea of speaking in front of other people. That's why they get paid so much. Sure. Because no one else wants to do it. You're like, all right, he'll do it. She'll do it. Let's pay him. Yeah. So anyway, go ahead. But there is a, a younger generation today. And yeah. a lot of times when we talk about officials, we don't like to talk about younger versus older. We like to talk about newer versus veteran, mm -hmm. right? Because you could be 50 years old and a, a brand new basketball official. Mm -hmm. Sure. You know, you could be 21 and have been working basketball for the last 10 years. You know, you started having six-year-old basketball when you were 11. Yeah. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's not just about age. Some of the best officials that I know are 
half my age. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I love getting to step on a court with them. But one thing that is very true just from a generational standpoint, and I understand it's a stereotype. So this is, this is a very broad statement, mm -hmm. but the younger generation that is coming up now, that's, you know, mid twenties on down any kind of interpersonal verbal communication is much more difficult than it is for people late twenties and beyond. Mm -hmm. um, I, we, we saw this play out. There's a, a young new official uh, who reached out to Jeff to get some help to start in basketball. And he reached out to Jeff before Jeff had to take his vacation and mm -hmm. just like, Hey, I'd love to do that. I just can't do it now because I'm out for the next week and a half. Mm -hmm. And when that young official was then trying to make the decision about reaching back out after Jeff got back, it took him four or five days mm -hmm. to get the guts up mm -hmm. to reach back. And that wasn't even verbal. Yeah. That was just by text, right? Yeah. That's thumb talk right there. Yeah, right? you know, <laughs> but because one of the things that is a real struggle is this idea of, a, a negative communication back or a rejection, mm -hmm. you know, however that's perceived. I think that's really important for us to understand as more veteran officials, whether that young official is brand new, whether they've been around for eight or 10 years, they may struggle more, not just with actually communicating, but they also may struggle more dealing with negative response mm -hmm. to communicating. So mm -hmm. what might be very easy for somebody of a different generation just to let roll off their back, mm -hmm. that younger official, it might crush them at least for the next five, six minutes. Yeah. Right? They may have a really hard time getting out of their head. And after thinking about that and looking back on the last few years, I really see that playing true with a lot of officials that I've worked with. Even really great, competent officials who are at that age and have already risen to the level of crew chief, mm -hmm. when that negative communication happens, it's almost like the brakes go on hard yeah. at that moment. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I think that's a moment where, as a crew member, regardless of my spot on the crew, when I see that happen, I've got to find a way to go give them positive communication. Mm. whether it's at a timeout, whether it's, if it's baseball, it's in between innings, mm -hmm. it's whatever, you know. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. Find a way just to snap them out of that other communication and let's mm. bring them back into a positive communication. Yeah. Because otherwise they're, they're going to stay in that negative spot. And they'll stay in it way longer than they need to. Sure. I think it's okay. You know, we, I don't want to say okay, but we all do it. Whether we're 60 years old or 16 years old. Yep. When we get that negative response, we tend to, as you say, hit the brakes. Sure. You know, like, oh, what am I doing here? Why am I? And um, 
when that recovery, as we've spoken early in the podcast about um, mistake, mistake recovery, recovery strategy, strategy right? Yeah. You know, so that's what we need to have. That needs to we need to find a way to implement that. Um, so, and even if it is just silence, it's okay with silence because um, I, I think it's a it's a great tool of our communication when we get negative. Okay, let's be silent mm-hmm. and let's listen. And then let's process kind of what they're saying, opposed to hit the brakes, you know, put up all my my protectors on, my airbags on, my seatbelts on, all these things are on. Now I can't actually hear what is trying to be said to me. So, um, because we that is probably something that we're real good about doing is is okay. I'm not going to say anything, but we've also shut our ears off too, sure. and we don't. And now they've said four other different things. And some of that you might have been able to use. So um, I think that's good if we can get to them with a positive. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if if I I'm going to say it again, we have to ask these people. We have to ask these younger communicators: Are you prepared? Are you prepared to get negative responses? And you know, we don't want just lip service. We got to understand that it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt a lot. And it may take more than, oh, well, to get past it. Mm-hmm. I remember I remember be, getting so much negative. You know, the, the, the negative, the biggest negative, um, I don't know about the biggest negative response, but one of, the, one of the things that sticks in my head the most, I was still working high school base, basketball, and I was working college basketball, Division One basketball at that. So, But I was still working, right? Yeah. I still needed to see all these plays. And I was working – a regional playoff game, high school playoff game. And the coach for the losing team thought I didn't do a job to his expectation. And as the end of the game comes and I'm right in front of this coach and the final horn goes off, he says to me, I sure hope you didn't get a sectional. Mm. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh. you know, then I'm thinking, you know, what am I doing? Am I, and all this is going off, and I'll remember. And I'm, you know, can you, how, you know how you said you got to, you know, got to get that positive communication to them. I was pretty young in my officiating career. As I'm getting into the locker room, of course, the only way I can get through this is I have to seek counsel. I have to, I have to observe and report. Right. Yeah. So, I, re, you know, I'm talking to my crew, and I'm like, you know, did you hear what that coach said to me? No. What did he say? He said to me that I hope we don't get a sectional because I was about that bad. And I, I forget who the partner was. I wish I could really remember, but my partner on the game said, <laughs> he laughs, he goes, did you tell him? Yeah, let me know how my sectional is when I'm on TV next week. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm like, oh, that's right. I am. You know what I mean? I'm going to get paid, you know, $1,500 to go to a game and I'm going to be on TV. You know, and all that just, and I'm like, oh. So it's important that we get that. And that, that my partner has probably has no idea. Maybe he sure. does, but that turned that turned me around. Where instead of just hanging on to that, now going home, drive home by myself, eating dinner by myself, you know, sitting up at midnight watching the news and thinking about that one comment. So um, it's it's so true. We need to find a way to when we see that they're struggling in that situation, or I think even if we don't see it, but we hear of that negative. What can we say differently that's going to get them off that negative comment? And here's a really interesting thing. I'd, I'd love for every person listening to the podcast right now, if you could, 
I would like for you to, to do something that I don't do very often. I'd like for you to think negatively. All right. Okay. I want you to think of the the coach that you have the most difficulty with. I also like you to think of the partner you've had in the last season or two that you've had the most difficulty with. Mm. I'm going to take a guess. I'm going to guess that the reason you have the most problem with that coach is not because of the offense or the defense they run. It's not because of the facilities mm. where you go work there. I'm going to guess that with the the crewmate that you have the most trouble with, it's it's not just their play calling ability. That I'm going to guess in both those situations, it's because of negative communication. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because what what do you hear sometimes? You'll hear a person say, "Oh my gosh, I got to deal with that coach again." Mm-hmm. And somebody else says, "Oh, that coach and I get along great." Mm-hmm. What are they automatically saying? They're saying that. Our ability to have a a positive interaction has to do with how well we get along or don't get along with the coach. Mm -hmm. And we base that off of, is our communication positive or is our communication negative? Yep. But you know what? I have seen coaches with unbelievable positive communication with an official who rate them horribly. Sure. Because I'm a coordinator. Mm -hmm. I see it. Mm Yeah, you know, yeah. and that and that that umpire will tell me, "Oh, I get along great with that coach. That coach loves me." I'm like, "No, they don't." <laughs> I mean, yeah. they may tr- they may treat you well, yeah. because they're a, a good person, or yeah. you know, whatever, mm-hmm. or or maybe they just think you're so bad that if they say anything <laughs> to you, it's just going to get worse. Yeah, right. So maybe maybe they try to make you feel better so mm-hmm. that they get at least a D plus performance sure. instead of an F. Mm-hmm. But most of the time. We take and attach those feelings, those those personal emotions, mm-hmm. we attach it to the communication. Did they say negative things about us? Did they say hurtful things to us mm-hmm. or whatever? Or was it positive? And it may be they may say those things and think we're a great official. That yeah. just may be one how they communicate or two how it was in that moment. They just mm-hmm. thought you weren't good in that moment. Right. They think you're a great official, mm-hmm. just not right then. Mm-hmm. Yep. I would also say, you know, we we are, you know, as as we we're our surrounding, right? We what it, well, how's a, I say it all the time. Um, you you walk with the lame, you will develop a limp. If you talk about how great you have this, you know, or how you never get along with this coach, it's not going to stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not going to stop. We have to find a way to um, just accept those facts for what they are. You know, and I don't think they even need to be brought up, as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, if we, if you have a, a, a an adversary relationship with with a coach, you bringing it up in the locker room doesn't that doesn't make that doesn't help anything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help your partners. It doesn't. They they still have to call their primary. You still have to call your primary. You still have to do those things. If it's adversarial, it's adversarial. Nothing we can do about it only thing that can change is what you can do and how you want to handle that. And I think um, the best thing we can do is not hold a grudge. Yeah. Don't hold a grudge. And I'm going to share a story with you. Uh, And and a a coach announced a retirement. And I texted, you know, an official friend of mine and I said, Hey, did you hear, you know, so-and-so is retiring. And this official's response was, 
you know, something about, oh, now we can go stab people in the back somewhere else or whatever it was. And my response was, uh, hold a grudge much? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No, no matter what's happened, you know, even if they did, maybe didn't treat you well on the floor and maybe they didn't, you know, treat you like you thought you should need to be treated. You are no better when you respond in that situation, go, well, then go stab someone else in the back. They can go do that. That, that, that does not help your legacy. Yep. And if we hang on to those grudges, it makes for long sleepless nights. <laughs> it makes for lonely drives home. Um, it makes for um, um, retirement parties that no one's there. Yeah. Because of those things. So, you know, don't don't hold grudges. Accept the facts for what they are. So and so retired. Yeah. So and so. I don't need to. T- I don't need to tell you <laughs> what that coach did to me. You know, unless you're asking. Was Was there a situation between another coach? Yeah. This was a situation. But I'm over it. I I don't hold grudges. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's interesting that you said, you know, it doesn't do us any good to bring out stuff up in the locker room beforehand or whatever. I actually love it when my partners bring it up mm-hmm. before game, mm-hmm. not because I think it's healthy yeah. <laughs> for them, mm-hmm. but I do think then it's good for the crew because if I hear that, um, I was actually working a postseason game uh, with an official who said this was in baseball. I can't wait to go work this game, I'm going to throw that blankety-blank out. Okay. Okay? Mm -hmm. All right? So, obviously, has had issues with this coach in the past, Mm -hmm. is used to that coach verbally dealing with him in ways he doesn't like. He's going to toss that official. So, now, I immediately know before the game, we we talk in football about somebody carrying a brick. That means somebody that's just looking for somebody to hit and demolish. Mm. There are times, as officials, we're carrying a brick. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're just waiting to give out that technical foul. We're just waiting to toss somebody in baseball, you know, whatever that might be. And this was an official that was carrying a brick. And so because I knew that ahead of time, oh really? Do you have do you have a history with that coach? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Well, here's the deal. If if he needs to go today, it can't be you. Oh, what do you mean? <laughs> well, hey, if, 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 if he's going to be that bad and over the top, you need to know that one of us as your crewmates, we will come in and we'll take care of that. Now, if it's if it's direct and it's in your face, that's a different deal, mm-hmm. you know. But if it's ball strikes, if it's safe, you know, if it's whatever, you know, hey, we'll, we'll come in and we'll do that because I wouldn't want that to affect the way that you're perceived, you know, because we already know there's a history there. Mm-hmm. So let, now if one of us comes in and does it, now it's obvious. Two people think yeah. they should have gone, right? And it it almost just kind of snapped that person back to the reality of, oh, well, we need to judge it on what's happening today, not what happened the last time I had them or the time before that or the time before that. You know, and I, I hear, I think, far more in basketball than I do in, in baseball, Again, because we do have the technical foul tool in our tool belt. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, who's going to be the first one to get so-and-so's technical today? Yeah, right. We know he's going to get one. <laughs> who's going to get it? Oh, mm-hmm. okay, well, that's probably not the way we need to think today. I, I would agree. You know, so, okay, well, hey, if we know that's a tendency, what are we going to do from the get-go to try to manage this effectively today? You know, what are we going to do to not let it build? Now, we all know that when people want to cross a line, they're going to cross a line. Mm-hmm. 
But a lot of times there are things that we can do along the way to help us not get to that point. Yeah, and I would even say in regards to baseball ejection and technical fouls in basketball, if, we, if we're talking about that before the game and it's as bad as, as whatever partner is saying mm-hmm. it is, well, good news. I don't have to worry about it anymore because if it's as bad as you say it, it'll show up very. That's great. It'll show up. Yeah, that's you know a great what I mean. Statement. I don't have to worry about searching it out. Mm-hmm. So I'm not gonna. I'm not thinking about this process anymore because it, it will show up and we can penalize. Mm-hmm. That's how. That's that's how that works. Um, the the flip side of that is we have to make sure that you know. I like how you disarm. You took the brick out of the official's hand, right? I like that, but we we need to somehow um, relay to all of our partners that you know we're here to adjudicate the rules, mm-hmm. not bring our agenda into the game. Sure, we're not here to do that, um, and, and that's hard because we're human. Yeah, very difficult. You know, we're, we're human. We are emotional beings, mm-hmm. yeah. and nobody likes being called. Whatever it is mm-hmm. you're getting called. Yeah, right. You know, mm-hmm. it's tough. And I would even say that I I don't think, and I, I want you to weigh in here. So when you when a partner comes in and goes, listen, I've had a problem with Joe Blow. He's getting technical foul today. And then you go, well, that's funny because I don't have any problems with it at all. I believe that just makes it worse. Sure it does. What are you telling me? I'm wrong? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you mean? This, this person's a jerk and they're going to get a technical foul. And now you're just making it worse. So I feel like that, that response should be, whoa, man, what's going on? What's, mm-hmm. what's, you know, how can I help with the situation? What, tell me more, you know, those kind of things where us, by us saying, oh, no, no problem with me. You know what I mean? So everything's fine by me. Good luck to you. That doesn't help. I think that only puts fuel to the fire for that official that is looking, that is carrying the brick, as you say. Yeah. And I, I find it really interesting. I, I think, one of the things that we have assumed, and so I'll, I'm going to use you very specifically on this, Jeff, if that's okay. Um, yes. You are you are known as a good communicator. Appreciate that. All right? You're known as a good communicator. But yet I have seen coaches absolutely lay into you. Mm. I st- One of my favorite pictures of all time is a coach that mm. normally is very mild-mannered, very whatever, and it, whether it's just the – the moment that the snapshot was taken, it looks like he is just staring daggers through you mm. and screaming about your parentage. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, like it's it's not okay. I think sometimes what we've done is we've tried to communicate to newer and younger officials. If you're a good communicator, you never have to deal with that. That's not true. Uh, that is 100% not true. Because that coach's emotions are still there. Mm-hmm. That coach's thought process is still there. A good communicator takes that moment and is able to begin to diffuse it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they can keep it from escalating to that point. Right. But sometimes things just blow up. Sometimes they just happen. Well, and sometimes it's a race. So we're talking about defusing. Okay, well, the final horn <laughs> is five minutes away, and the fuse has been lit. Mm-hmm. Maybe you just don't have enough time. Yeah, it's just don't. It's gonna. You know, if if there was only three minutes left, you may have had enough time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've walked off many courts going, "I'm glad that game wasn't 41 minutes." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So 
that that's just the way it is. You know, we have to understand, whoo, do I have time to, to, to really put this fuse out or is it, it's going to happen. You know, I'm going to do my best for it not to blow up twice on me, you know, slow it down at a minimum. So, um, that's, that's, I think, I think you bring up a great point. Giving out technical fouls, give, you know, kicking, having ejections in baseball and, and unsportsmanlike fouls in football. Those are all things that happen daily. Yeah. Just because they happen to you doesn't mean you're a bad communicator. Right. Now, it may have led to you being, a, you know, you being a bad communicator may have led to this, but you can't prevent everything. No. There's, there's all kinds of stop signs and traffic lights out there, but accidents still happen every day. That's right. <laughs> and they work. Yep. You know, flawlessly. And this young official that we were talking about a minute ago that is reaching out to Jeff to get some help before his very first ever basketball games next week um, was talking to me. And the one thing that I just said, and, and I said it matter of factly, not in a like blow it up to a big thing or whatever. But I said, hey, you just need to know because this this is a young official that's worked a couple other sports. Mm-hmm. Said, so just so you know, it's very different on a basketball court. They're right on top of you, and everybody has something to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't do that to freak him out. I didn't do that to discourage him. Mm-hmm. But because of what I know about people that age and their communication style, mm-hmm. is if I don't prepare him for that, he'll get blindsided by it. Yeah. And I think that's something else that we have to do. You know, he said, hey, I don't want to bring up in a – I don't want to bring up in a pregame, you know, that I really have a big issue with this coach or whatever. But yet, if you do have a game where you know there's a coach that's a, a problem communicator mm-hmm. and you have a newer, younger official, that that official needs to be prepared. Mm-hmm. Now, they don't need to assume it's going to be horrible, mm-hmm. but we do need to prepare them and say, hey, you know what? This, this is a coach that can get feisty quick, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever terminology works well for you. Mm-hmm. But hey, don't. Don't take it personally when it happens. You know, let's 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 be great communicators out there today because we know there's a chance for it to happen. Let's be prepared so that we don't respond emotionally, but we bring things back down and we do what we need to do. That I think sometimes is also a help to people becoming better communicators. Cuz if it just catches us off guard, mm-hmm. well sometimes we turn around and respond in a way that's off guard. Yeah. Cuz we're not expecting it. Mm-hmm. I also, and I think I, we've talked about this, or maybe I've shared it with you, but I also think it can go the other way. If we're, if we're a new official and you're, you know, in a game and you have two really good coaches, mm-hmm. I think the official should know that. That younger official, listen, if you were worried about this coach yelling at you for lack of performance, mm-hmm. take that off the table tonight. Because this coach is very, very fair and very professional at all times. Mm. In the 15 years that I've seen this coach, they have never erupted in a way. They may ask you a question or here or there. So I want you to take that part off of your game. Yeah. So don't worry about that part because it's going to be okay there because we don't have to worry about that. Because that can happen. We can get distracted because that's way more important, right? Way more important than I'm getting yelled at in one ear. And meanwhile, they're traveling and on my peripheral vision in the left. And I'm I'm just paying attention to the to the yelling because that's all I'm I'm worried about. So if I can say I don't you mean they won't? That's not gonna happen today? Or if it does, it's gonna be very, very minimal. 
that, you know, I can really focus on that. And, um, you know, sometimes we even have to say, hey, I understand it's your first game in this league. Um, you know, what can I do to make your, your job easier today? Those kind of things. Or you can even say, listen, I don't want you to have to worry about anything that coach says today. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. If they have a question, I will do my best to try and answer it for them. Just don't even worry about it. And focus on mm-hmm. the, you know, the things in front of you. So those are all things that we can do to help younger officials. So, And the other piece of that is we should be picking up on cues in the locker room to know what kind of communicator our fellow officials are. Mm-hmm. If if you have an official that, okay, you've been sending out a group text beforehand, hey, what time are we getting there? You know, anybody need anything on the way? Anybody get picked up from the airport? Blah, blah, blah. And one of the officials doesn't communicate back or maybe they communicate back in like one word answers. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you right. know. Okay. okay, well then you've probably got a clue before you even got in the locker room that they're not comfortable in communication. Mm-hmm. Right? And then they get in there and you're asking questions and all and they're just kind of silent. They're just kind of taking it all in. Well, then that probably tells you that if they get into... Uh, a more anxious moment in a game. That's probably the way they're going to respond there too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so as, as a fellow official, you can already be looking at that. If you got somebody that, man, they're communicating back and forth and all, then, you know, okay, all right, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to allow them to handle that because mm-hmm. they, they obviously have demonstrated those skills. I don't think it amazes me sometimes when I'll see an official get upset that a fellow official won't communicate on the court when they never want saw him communicate off the court. So why do you think they can just automatically do something on the court right. that they don't do off the court? Yeah, yeah. That just doesn't make sense. Did you see it in the locker room? No. Well, then it's probably not going to happen there, man. <laughs> right. When you know when it gets really intense, it's a pretty calm situation in the locker room. Yeah, that's a good good point. I think we can we can definitely, um, again, right? We we got to read the room. If if we're not reading the room, you're so worried about getting your agenda out. You know, okay, I'm the crew chief. We're going to talk about A, B, C, D, and E. And you're not understanding that official A is not responding and you're so worried about going through your list, well, you're you're going to find yourself off guard when you get out there and you're like, man, what happened? Maybe I should have paid attention more in the locker room. Instead, you know, and I, you know I've, I've talked about this before and I'm, I'm not a big list person. I don't put lists down on paper and, you know, I, I don't call Even them Even though goal. episode one was <laughs> a list episode. Yeah, that's right. It was. Yeah, yeah, it is. But, you know, I don't write them down. Sure. You know, and, and I, I see so many officials come in with this, this five-step agenda to go through when really the room doesn't need the five-step agenda. Yeah. The room needs people to buy into this new official to get them to let their guard down, to get the best out of them. As you've said in many, many times before in past podcasts, if if your official, your new official or whatever, less experienced official is the at best a five out of 10, then it's your job to get a, make them be a five. Yeah. Because they can always be a four or three or two or a one. That's right. You may get a six or seven out of them, but typically their best is a five. So that's your job to get a five out of them. When you've done that, then you've gotten the best out of them. That's right. So... No, I, I love that. And I want to share one last little thing as we wrap up today, because again, I think communication, uh, so many times we we think about the, the negative communication that we receive. Um, occasionally, we get excited about the positive communication that we receive, but we don't always talk about the positive communication we need to give. 
uh, I was really fortunate. I worked um, a fall baseball game uh, earlier this week at a, a Power 5 school. Okay, so big program, big money. Everybody's got the swoosh on all their apparel, yeah, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, it, it's not like a, a D3 program where they're trying to relace their third baseman glove with a shoestring because they didn't have the stuff yeah. there to take care of it before the game. Would, I mean, you know, they, they got everything they need, they all that kind of stuff. And they were playing a game that night versus uh, a group that's part of the Canadian national program. Okay. And so they, they come down out of Canada. They play several schools in the Midwest. Um, and these are kids that are uh, grade 10 through 13. In, in Canada, it's different. Uh, you go through grade 13. You can actually take a, a, an extra last year, like where some of us would have like a gap year. They can actually stay for another year. It's, it's weird and how that affects their eligibility for school and that kind of stuff. But basically, part of the reason they come in is so that the U.S. schools can just have somebody to play against, to get mm-hmm. some reps against. But also, they're being seen by these schools. And so uh, one of these kids from that Canadian team was on second base. Uh, and the second baseman for this Power 5 school is standing there. There's a, a conference going on, on the mound, and I'm just standing back and I'm listening. And uh, they were he was talking to the Canadian kid about, you know, what kids had committed where and that kind of thing, because that was a big deal. And, and they said, well, you know, do you have any do you have any offers? And the kid goes, oh. A couple, but nothing special because he'd been talking about a kid that had an offer to a power five school, a kid that had an offer from a pretty big mid major, you know, nothing special is what he said. And this second baseman from a a power conference school who could have easily had uh, I'm better than you attitude because I'm at the the special Mm -hmm. place, right? Mm Mm-hmm. He looked right at this kid from Canada and said, they're all special. Mm -hmm. It's all college baseball. Mm -hmm. People would give anything for that offer. And I listened to that and I was like, that is such an amazing, like it'd be one thing if a kid from a Juco said that or Mm -hmm. a kid from a D3 said that, but this is a kid from a, a power five school that's saying that comment. And, uh, I waited an inning or two. There was an appropriate moment. And uh, the kid's name was Zach. And I said, Zach, I just want you to know, I really appreciate what you said to their player. He goes, oh, well, you know, I mean, it's, you know, there, there are kids that I grew up playing with that would give anything to play anywhere. I said, but I said, what you did, I said, what you did was good for the game. Mm-hmm. What you did was good for that player. It's good for humanity. Yeah, and it's good for the game. <laughs> yeah. You know? And and I had that that positive communication with him. And uh, I'm going to see that coach uh, here in a week or so, and I'm going to tell that coach mm-hmm. what his second baseman did. Yeah, nice. Because that coach hears the negative all the time from us, mm-hmm. but not always the positive. And... I think if if we can be looking for opportunities to give positive communication, you know, and it can it can be about the manager on the end of the bench, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, it can be the person with the mop underneath the bucket, you know, who's who's cleaning up after somebody hits the floor. Yeah. Man, thank you so much, man. The way that the, the way you hustle out here and take care of us, I really appreciate that. I mean, mm-hmm. those things. 
I think also help them turn our mind towards positive communication. Yeah. Instead of just being, for, oh man, it's taking them forever to get out here and get this mopped up. Mm-hmm. Well, instead of focusing on that, let's focus on the one that does do it right the right way. Mm-hmm. And let's continue that communication. And so then with that younger, newer official, let's find those ways to give them positive, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, I think that's huge. I think also, you know, in, in when we have younger officials, newer, younger officials working with us, I think it's important that we benchmark stuff. And, you know, you do it, right? We've talked about it, your, your baseball yeah. shelf here with all this stuff. But we need to benchmark stuff. And I remember um, working a, a Division two game with a person who was very first ever Division two game. Mm. It was their first ever. That's so exciting. Right. When that happens, man, that is such a big super, moment. Super, right? Well, at, you know, whatever, 438 – in the first, this official calls an offensive foul. And I come in at halftime, and I said, 438. Remember 438? She goes, no, what's 438? I said, that's your first ever Division II offensive foul. And she was like, oh, man, how cool is that? Yeah. You know, and we just need to benchmark those things. And, and you know, hey, they're all not going to be great, right? We're going to have some some real peaks and valleys here, and right now – you're at the peak. This is your first ever. You had a nice offensive foul. You could document it, and you didn't die. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think that's important. I think you know we're, we put we put ourselves in behind such an eight ball when we start that we're just like oh you know overwhelmed and overwhelmed, and then we're like I'm not doing it anymore because you're not getting. A, I don't even say positive feedback. You're just not getting positive communication. It don't have to be feedback, just communication, positive communication. Like, you know, this this new official can go out and work Tuesday and miss every single call. Mm-hmm. But, hey, one of the good news, you did show up on time, and your shirt stripes are vertical, not horizontal, <laughs> like the rule book says. You know, all those things. So I just think that we can do that. And if if we can capitalize on that moment, we'll we'll keep a lot more younger people in the game. Yeah, and in a world that focus so, focuses so much on the negative, mm-hmm. where so much of the communication that we hear is tearing people down or dividing people, mm-hmm. uh, I think that we as sports officials, not just on the court, but in life, in the way we lead, it's mm-hmm. going to affect the legacy that we leave to yep. others yep. Uh, if we positively communicate with those around us. Thanks so much for being with us this week. Uh, looking forward uh, to continuing to talk with you as we move forward this season of the Uncommon Drive Podcast. Send us your questions, comments, uh, anything there to Uncommon Drive Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, we'll be back at you next week. Have a great week, everybody. See y'all. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Drive Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.